Amen. Mark's Gospel, chapter 15, and let us read together again verses uh, 14 and 15. And there we read, Then Pilate said unto them, that is the multitude, Why? What evil hath he done? And they cried out the more exceedingly, Crucify him! And so Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas unto them, and delivered Jesus, when he had scourged him, to be crucified. J.C. Ryle, the Bishop of Liverpool, he said of these words, It is part of the gospel history which should always be read with peculiar reverence. And certainly, we took the time there to read those verses again. Particularly, it was verse 15. I want to be thinking upon with you tonight, where it says, And so Pilate, willing to content the people. What did he do? Well, says there, he released Barabbas unto them and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. Now, Pilate, as we know, he was the Roman governor of Judea at that time. And the chief priests had come to him uh, seeking for Christ to be crucified. Of course, the Jews had not the power or the authority to do so. Hence, they brought him to the Savior. And Pilate questioned the Lord Jesus Christ. If you look to the earlier verses of chapter 15, Pilate asked him in verse 2, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answered, saying unto him, Thou sayest it. Then we see the reaction of the chief priests, how they came and they accused the Savior, telling many lies which of course none of us should do, especially those who profess to be religious. But here these men were accusing him and bringing lies against him. What was Christ's reaction to these chief priests? But he answered nothing. These were the same individuals that had come to the Savior and throughout his earthly ministry. And what did they do? They brought false accusations against him. They tried to trip him up with Complex questions, of course, the Lord knew what they were going to ask, and the Lord was able to answer them, but he didn't answer them on this occasion. And what an awful thought that is. These men who thought they were, they were right with God, and they had come to the Messiah, although they didn't, they didn't acknowledge him as the Messiah, and Christ never spoke to them again. Now, if you're in this meeting tonight or you're watching online, what an awful thing that would be for you, sinner, for God never to speak to you again. Perhaps God's Holy Spirit is striving with you at this very moment, imploring you to come to Christ, telling you of your need to be saved. How many people have been striven with by the Holy Spirit and they've rejected and opportunity passes by and God never speaks again to that sinner. Well, Christ never spoke to those chief priests. And then we see that 
And verse 4, And Pilate asked him again, saying, Answerest thou nothing? Behold how many things they witness against thee. But Jesus yet answered nothing. So that Pilate marveled. You know, in Matthew 21, verse 15, the chief priests, they questioned the Savior's authority. Chapter, uh, Matthew 21, verse 23, uh, again, they had brought false charges and they had uh, brought people in to tell lies, false witnesses before the Savior to put him to death. And then in Matthew 26, verse 59, the parallel of this portion here, Mark 15. Then came the multitude. And what were the multitude there for? They were there to ask for Pilate to release a prisoner onto them, as was the custom of the day. But I just want to think with you for a few moments tonight, particularly from Mark 15, verse 15 of Christ delivered to be crucified. Christ delivered to be crucified because that is at the very heart of the gospel. It is that redemptive work of our Savior to atone for the sins of his people, to justify us before God, as we mentioned this morning. And as we think about Christ being delivered to be crucified, I want us to think firstly tonight about Pilate's third question to the multitude. Now where we commence reading tonight, Pilate had already asked two questions to the multitude. Verse 14, there we see this third question. He asks him, why, what evil hath he done? And they cried out the more exceedingly, crucify him. You see, whenever the multitude had come to Pilate, the Roman governor, they came to asked for the release of the prisoner, as was the custom at that time of the year, at the Passover celebration. Verse 9 records the first question that Pilate asked in the multitude. He asked, Will ye that I release unto you the king of the Jews? And then if you look at verse number 10, Pilate, or says of Pilate, For he knew that the chief priests had delivered him for envy. Again, these men were thinking they were doing the work of God. And they brought the Lord Jesus to Pilate to be crucified. It's a sad thing for individuals to do such a thing and to go to such great lengths to betray and to go against the Savior. Then the second question he asked him, what will, then, what will ye then that I shall, shall do unto him? whom ye call the king of the Jews. Notice there how they replied, how they responded to that question. It says they cried, crucify him. That word cry, or cried there in the original, it really means, or it has the thought of to shriek at the top of their voice. They were shrieking this uh, judgment, or this, for this to be done on the Saviour. Crucify him. I'm not going to shout any louder in case I wreck my voice, but you get the idea. And can you just imagine, not just one person shouting this, but a multitude, perhaps hundreds of people. That would have been very intimidating, wouldn't it? 
And then we come to the third question, which is my first thought this evening. Pilate asked him, why? What evil hath he done? You see, Pilate, whenever he had questioned him, whenever he looked at the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, Pilate was in no doubt that Christ was innocent. Hence, he asks this question, why? What evil hath he done? You see, Pilate didn't see any evil in him. Of course, because there was no evil in him. But such was the hatred of the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the elders and the scribes and the chief priests, as we have here, that they wanted to get rid of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whenever the Savior had been questioned by Pilate, we noted there he marveled. He was, he was in shock. He was in awe at how the Lord Jesus stood there and didn't react angrily. He didn't fight back. But he just stood there. See, nothing was going to stop him in going to the cross. And the old, the old devil had tried many options and many schemes to stop redemption being accomplished and then applied by Almighty God. And as I thought about that question, I thought about it in this context because Pilate was wondering, well, what evil has Christ done that you want him to be crucified? Let me ask you the question tonight. What is it that's holding you back from Jesus Christ? What is it or who is it that's a barrier between you as a sinner coming and repenting of your sin and putting your faith and your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? These men, these chief priests, they hated the Lord. Do you hate the Lord tonight? They were rejecting him. Their heart was set against him. They, were not, they would not have been satisfied until Christ was crucified. Hence, what did they do? They influenced the crowd. They whipped up the crowd, or helped to whip up the crowd to cry out for Christ to be crucified. What an awful indictment. We know that in heated situations, you want to try and calm the situation but these men were only inflaming it more and more so that Pilate would succumb to the cries of this shrieking multitude and that their will would be done. And yet here were sinners whom Christ came to die for. Christ came to die for sinners. doesn't matter their background, doesn't matter what sin they committed. Yet these men, if they had repented and cried out unto the Lord, just as the dying thief, they could have been pardoned too. But yet they were set fast in that course of rejecting him. And even the words of that question, that third question Pilate posed to the to the multitude, why? What evil hath he done? Notice there, they didn't give him an answer. They didn't say, oh, because he's done this, 
or he's done that. No, they just cry, crucify him. Not only do we see there the question to the multitude, but notice there as well, secondly, Pilate's obedience to the multitude. Verse 15 tells us, And Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas unto them and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. And it was those words there that Pilate, he was willing to content the people. It really stood out to me as I read that. He had acknowledged that Christ was not guilty. He asked the multitude, why, what evil hath he done? And yet here we read of his response. What was his response? He gave in. I titled my message tonight, The Man Who Sided With the Multitude. And that's what Pilate did. He took the side of the enemies of Christ. The saviour of the world who stood before him. If he had trusted in him and rested in him and believed on him, Pilate would have been saved. But what did he do? No. He was willing to content the people. Now I can understand for Pilate being there and this multitude of people shrieking at the top of their voice, demanding for their need to be met, their need for Christ to be crucified, I can understand that would have been very intimidating. You just picture yourself in that scene. But who were they shrieking on to? A man with authority. A man who had Roman soldiers under his command. He didn't send his soldiers in to quiet the crowd. He didn't seek to calm the tensions of the crowd, no. But he was willing to content the people. And there, by doing that, he had rejected the Savior. And that just demonstrates for, for us folks tonight the, the power that a multitude can have and the influence a multitude can have for the wrong reasons. You know, we see people on the march today marching for climate change and all this nonsense. People marching for equal rights. And what it really is is the promotion of sin. And why are these people being listened to? Why are these people being, why are people afraid of this, these movements? It's because they're shouting. It is because they are in our face. And it's sickening that they're promoting and they're marching for lies and wickedness and sin. And you and I as believers, we need to stand against it. We need to speak up because they are shouting far too loud today. And they're not to be obeyed. We're not to be giving in to sin. We're not to be acknowledging Things which are against God's word and God's creative order. But Pilate here, 
He was willing to content the people. And thereby, what did he do? He released Barabbas. Barabbas wasn't just simply a political insurrectionist. He was a murderer. And the people would rather have a murderer running free than to have the Savior released from Pilate's captivity at that time. We could say much more about that in our own context, but we won't. But Pilate, he released Barabbas rather than the Savior. And that word willing there, it means to be disposed of or to be minded. So his mind was made up. He was going to release Barabbas. Why? Well, I'm sure probably just to get the, quiet, the crowd to quieten up. He was sick of hearing them screaming at the top of their voices, crucify him. And so he was willing rather to satisfy their cries to keep them quiet. What a deafening noise that must have been. I'm sure it was that loud it would have pierced or run right even through you. Screaming for Christ to be crucified. But notice as well, not only would it have demonstrated the power and the influence of the crowd upon Pilate, but it also demonstrated his weakness and his instability as a, as a political leader. Because by the fact that he was willing to obey this screaming multitude, it demonstrated that he was a wavering and an undecided man. You know, his wife had come to him beforehand. What does she say to him? Have nothing to do with this just man. For I have suffered many things in a dream because of him. There Pilate had been given the right advice. Have nothing to do with him. Don't condemn him. Don't have him crucified. But of course, his wife wasn't screaming that at him, was she? But the multitude were screaming, crucify him. And so he listened to the advice. He listened to the cries of the people. Be careful who you allow to influence you, especially young people. Good to see you in church tonight. Because there will be those in your school perhaps or your university or your workplace and they will seek to put pressure on you to do or to say to go places which you know you should not be going. And even though they may mock you and not be your friend anymore don't you worry. Let them go because they weren't your real friends in the first place. But don't let yourself be put in a position where you're pressured to do that which you know is wrong or sinful. That which is against God. Like Joseph, he got himself out whenever Potiphar's wife made her advances. Because here we see the screaming of a crowd and its influence upon Pilate. And he was willing rather to, ha to have them contented. And they weren't, they, were, they weren't going to be contented until Christ was crucified. If I may have another quote here from J.C. Ryle. He said, a man 
in high place without religious principles is one of the most pitiful sights in the world. He is like a large ship tossed to and fro on the sea without a compass or rudder. In other words, he's no purpose. What's the purpose of his role there? Well, of course we know Christ had to be crucified. That was in the plan of God for our redemption. But it still meant that Pilate was guilty of rejecting Christ. That multitude was guilty of rejecting Christ. A crowd will laugh a sinner into hell. But it certainly won't laugh them out of hell. James tells us in James 1 verse 8 that a a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And sadly, by succumbing to the noise of the multitude, by obeying their demand for Barabbas to be released and Christ to be crucified, what did Pilate do? He chose against Christ and he sided with the devil. And this is true of everyone who rejects the Lord Jesus Christ. They remain on the side of the devil and all the forces of darkness and all Christ's rejectors will find their place in hell in God's great eternity. And though I pray that that will not be true of you tonight, sinner friend, as you're under the sound of God's word, not my voice, but you're under the sound of God's word tonight, and though I would urge upon you, don't go with the flow, don't go with the multitude, with the Christ rejectors. But come out for Christ tonight. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't reject him. Because he came to seek and to save. A sinful soul like you. A sinful soul like me. Praise his name. So I've thought tonight about. Pilate's question. Pilate's obedience. Sadly not to Christ. His obedience to the cries of the multitude. But notice lastly here as well. Pilate's damnation. With the multitude. And so Pilate willing to content the people released Barabbas unto them and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. Why is anybody damned to hell? It is because they have rejected the Son of God. You and I know very well that every one of us are born in sin and shaped in iniquity. David tells us that in Psalm 51, verse 5. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But the Bible also tells us that Christ Jesus came into the world, not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He came not to condemn the world, but the world through him, what might be saved. Like we were thinking about this morning. My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. And those here under the sound of the word of God again tonight, sinner friend, don't reject the Savior. Don't go with the multitude. Because the multitude tonight in the world, the multitude's going down the road to hell and they don't care. Oh, they could be walking the clean side or they could be walking the dirty side, but it doesn't matter. They're still on the broad road. And they're going to hell. And I make no apology in saying that. I don't take glory in it. 
But that's God's truth. And that's what this country needs. Doesn't need mealy mouth preachers who water down God's word to please their congregation, to please unsaved elders and people paying into the church. No. It's Christ you need. Don't reject him like Pilate did. Don't reject him and with such hatred and fervency like this multitude. But come to him. Notice there what, what happened to the Savior. Verse 15. So after Barabbas was released, Christ was delivered. And Pilate had him scourged and then crucified. Now for Christ to be scourged, that process, and I haven't time to go into the details of it all tonight, but he would have been tied to a pole and his back laid bare and the Roman soldier would have took a, hope I pronounced this right, a flagellum. It was really a whip with bits of pieces in the leather to scourge the back. For the back, as it were, to be left like a ploughed field. The psalmist tells us that they made long their furrows. Prophetic of Christ. And yet Pilate knew that this, that this individual was no mere individual. This man was not guilty of any sin. This man had done no evil. But yet, by his releasing of Barabbas and his delivering of Christ, he allowed his soldiers to scourge the Savior. And Christian, remember that that was done for you. That was done for me. Christ's field or back was left like a ploughed field. But of course we know that it wasn't his physical sufferings that atoned for our sins. That was just the lead up to the really excruciating and painful process of crucifixion. So after, after our Savior was scourged, he was led away to be crucified. There's no other way for sins to be paid for. There's no other way for your sins tonight, my friend, to be atoned for. But to believe in what Christ has done. Paul tells us in Romans 5 verse 6, For when we were, we were without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. That includes every one of us. The preacher included. I know I would urge upon you to think about what Christ has done, what he has endured. Yes, I know we can never fully comprehend or take it in the very intricacies of the cross work, but we can read what the scripture tells us. And we can only imagine what the Savior endured for us. Of course, in those three hours of darkness, no mere mortal can enter into what the Savior went through, suffering the wrath of Almighty God, his wrath for my sins and your sins. And yet Christ was willing and he did bear all of our sins upon his body, upon the tree. So that not one of our sins would be 
accounted or had to be paid for by us if we're trusting and resting in him. Thank God, Christian, tonight that your sins and my sins are covered by the blood. Thank God that Christ was delivered for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of his peace, or of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. And as I bring my message to a close, let me challenge you again tonight, if you're not saved, are you going to be like Pilate and the multitude and reject Christ and damn your soul to hell for all eternity? Oh, don't be like them. But come to Christ. Believe on him. Rest upon what he has done because salvation is found in no one else. There's no other way for our sins to be paid for for time and for eternity but by the precious blood of Christ. That blood that will wash us whiter than snow. That blood that will atone for every sin, thought, word, and deed, past, present, and future. Thank God, Christian, tonight, our sins are under the blood. Why? Because Christ cried at the cross, Tetelestai, paid in full. And what he accomplished never needs to be repeated. Amen. May God bless his word to our hearts tonight. Let's pray. We can be of any help to you. Speak to us. We'd only be too glad to take time and open the word of God with you. We're your servants for Jesus' sake. Let's pray. Our loving Father, we thank thee for what we have considered from thy word tonight. Lord, certainly we can say with J.C. Ryle, these are very solemn verses and they need to be handled with peculiar reverence. Lord, touch our hearts, we pray. As the voice of this preacher falls silent, may the voice of thy Holy Spirit speak on and write it upon our hearts. Take us now to your homes in safety, we pray, and give us journeying mercies. And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit rest and remain upon each and every one until Jesus calls or comes again. For it is in his precious name we ask and we pray all these things. Amen.